Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Well, good evening. My name is Pastor Brad. I'm the worship arts pastor here at New Life. It's a great joy for me to welcome you. I want to let you know the Cambodia team. Uh, we have a team of missionaries over in Cambodia right now. They made it over there safe, and I've been seeing pictures just flood Facebook right now of them working with the little kids, and it's just incredible uh, what they're able to do. And I can't wait to hear their stories when they come back, but everything seems to be going well so far, so please keep praying for them as they serve over in Cambodia. They greatly appreciate it very much. Well, this is the ninth part of a 12-part series on the book of Daniel. This is our summer study series here at New Life. And has it been good for you? I mean, it's just been, just let me be honest with you, it's been really good for me. In fact, uh, I was thinking last week as we were going through and I was listening to Pastor Chris preach this message, I thought, you know what, I think that Daniel is now my favorite book in the Old Testament. Uh, I used to, I mean, I love Genesis, you know, because in the beginning, God was there and he spoke and out of the speaking galaxies were formed. I still love that, okay? I'm an artist at heart, so I love that idea, that creativity, but, but I love the, the real practical nature of Daniel. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm just so thankful for this series, and I hope it's been as good for you uh, as it has been for us, because we've uh, certainly enjoyed it very much. Now, through Daniel's life, which serves as an example to us, we have been learning how to put God first in every area of our lives. Now, what we've seen is is Daniel's incredible faithfulness to God and God's incredible faithfulness to Daniel. And it's just been such a, a beautiful picture of how God works in Daniel's life in such a way that that kind of leaves us going, man, I want that. Right? I mean, the truth is most of us long for the power and presence of, of, God's, of God's presence in our lives, the way that it was present in Daniel's life. I mean, at least I do, and I know many of you do as well. We want to see God's saving power save us from the lions in our lives. We want the, 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 the un- incredible courage of Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as they they were being cast into the furnace, the fiery furnace, for not bowing down and worshiping Nebuchadnezzar, they were saying, no, 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 we are going to trust our God because he's going to deliver us. And they were cast in, and God showed up among them. I mean, we want that so much. We want God's presence to lead us, to protect us, to provide for us, just as he did in Daniel's life. We all want that kind of relationship with God. But the problem is, just to be honest with you, most of us, including myself a lot of the time, simply miss it. We, we just, we, we don't have it in our lives and we crave it and we, we long for it and it just doesn't seem to come. Well, I want to tell you tonight that there's a way for us to experience that, where we can experience God's presence tangibly in, in real ways on a regular, ongoing basis. Because you see, there's something evident in Daniel's life, something that Daniel did. There was an action that Daniel took regularly. And we see it all throughout the book of Daniel. But tonight, specifically, in the passage that we're going to look at, we're going to see this action that Daniel took very, very clearly that it released God's power and presence into his life. And it's something that we can all experience. And I am really excited because I know that tonight, I I really do believe this, God's presence and his power is going to break through in our lives. Maybe for the first time ever, 
or for in a fresh way. Because listen, God is into doing new things. And so he wants to bring his power and presence in a fresh new way tonight. So I'm excited about that. So if you have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to open it up to Daniel chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, but you have one of these little guys uh, that's even smaller than this, a phone or any kind of device, you can download the Bible app. And listen, let me tell you why this is an important thing. Uh, Because if you're a follower of Jesus in here, these are the words of life for us. And sometimes there's just something that we see on the screen and we go, man, I, I need to write that down. And what happens is, <laughs> listen, I've done this. This is why I know. We get out and leave and go, where was that? Or what was that? I mean, have you ever done that? It's just me. Okay, yeah. So, so, so get out your Bible, your Bible app, your note-taking app, whatever it is that you want to do so you can mark down some things because I know that God wants to speak to us through his word. So we're going to look at Daniel chapter 9 tonight. And listen, if you don't have those things, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen for you. And there's a really cool thing on your phone called a camera. And I learned you take a picture of it and you can remember it. So I'd encourage you at any point to do that. Daniel chapter 9. So as Daniel chapter 9 opens, we find Daniel reading uh, the prophet Jeremiah. And, And it's a pretty incredible thing that he's reading. In fact, here's what it says. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Now, Daniel and Jeremiah were most likely contemporaries for a short period of time. Until Jeremiah died. And it's not clear how Daniel received Jeremiah's writings. But one thing is very clear. That Daniel received the words of Jeremiah as the word of the Lord. So Daniel took seriously God's word and responded to it. Look what happens in verse 3. So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God... And confessed. So it's interesting here because Daniel is reading these words of Jeremiah that says, Listen, this city of Jerusalem will be destroyed and it must lie desolate for 70 years. And Daniel responds to that. Why? Because Daniel was part of the Israelite nation, he was a Jew. So this was something that he took very seriously and it hurt him greatly. Daniel felt the weight of Israel's sinfulness as he read Jeremiah's writing. You see, Israel's consequence for sin, as Jeremiah tells us, was the destruction of Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, the destruction of that meant the destruction of the temple, which meant that God's presence, symbolically, would leave the nation of Israel because that's where God's presence was, was in the temple. And so if the temple was destroyed, then God's presence was taken out of that. And Daniel was devastated by this, so much so that he began to pray and to fast. Now, I want to be clear about something very important here. James in the New Testament, who was Jesus' brother, he tells us something very important. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. One thing I want to make really clear is that God never left Israel. Israel left God. Their sinfulness, their decisions had real consequences. And those real consequences meant the destruction of their city, of their temple, of the place where they engaged in the presence of God. 
And because of their decisions, because of their sinfulness, they turned away from their heavenly Father. So God never left, but the Israelites did. So when Daniel realized the, this implication of Israel's sin, he did something we must all do when we are faced with the truth. He turned to God. Daniel turned to God when he was faced with the truth. So if you have your outline with you, I'd encourage you to pull that out and fill that in. That's the first thing. Daniel turned to God when he was faced with the truth. One time Jesus was speaking to his disciples and he, tell, he told them something very important. He said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, Jesus made clear that when, we fa- when we're faced with the truth, we have a decision to make. We can either receive that truth from Jesus and we can process it and live it out in our lives or we can reject it and live in ignorance and the consequences that come from that, which is exactly what Israel did. So when we know the truth, we need to turn to the truth maker. You know, did you ever think about that? I mean, l- listen, listen. You know what the greatest truth I think in the world is, to be honest with you, gravity, right? It works every time. You know, I mean, if I trip now that I'm old and slender, if I trip and I go down, guess what? I'm not going to levitate and then just automatically like float back up, right? No, I'm going to hit the ground, right? Do you know who spoke gravity into existence? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God spoke, and everything was created. Gravity was made. An incredible truth. You see, God is the truth maker. He speaks the truth, and then we respond to it. So when we know the truth, it will set us free. So we have a decision to make. When we hear the truth, when we're faced with the truth, we can do what Pastor Chris said last week. We can repent. Remember, he said it's like, it's like we're walking into the darkness, and then we turn and we come back. We, we change our minds. That's what repent means. That, listen, when we realize that God is God in our lives, when we have that given to us by the Holy Spirit, then we repent and we say, you know what, God, you are God. You have a rightful place in my life. So we have to repent when we are faced with the truth or we'll go on living in ignorance. And the truth won't set us free if we reject it. So after receiving the truth from Jeremiah... Daniel acted. Daniel turned to prayer because he realized only God could change his situation. Daniel turned to prayer because he realized only God could change his situation. Here's what he prayed. Oh Lord, you are great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. O oh Lord, we are, we are 
Kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants and through the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing this truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. O our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on the desolate sanctuary. O my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city that bear your name. So Daniel prays this prayer to God, and, and he, he's just pouring out his heart, right? I mean, you can see his emotion. He, he points back to Jerusalem. He says, God, this city that has your name on it, it's lying desolate for 70 years. What are the people all around us going to think? God, why are you doing this to your people? And then he closes out in in, in the last verse of this prayer, and he says four specific things. Look at it with me. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. So Daniel summarizes his whole prayer by asking God to do these four things. So the first request he made of God is this, for God to hear. So what specifically does Daniel want God to hear? Daniel wanted God to hear his prayer and the demonstrating of his repentant heart. You see, Daniel is kind of taking on an important role by praying for his whole nation. And he's going before the Lord. He said, God, would you just hear me? Right? Would you hear me right now as I'm speaking to you? And he says, Lord, you are great and awesome. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and your regulations. So Daniel is pointing out here, God, listen, I've read Jeremiah. I see your judgment, and it's right because we're idiots, to be honest with you. We have turned away from you. You are right to do this. We have wronged you. We have rebelled against you. But we need you. Would you hear 
my prayer. You see, Daniel knows he can plead with God based on God's own character. So Daniel confesses his sin and the sin of his nation. You see, Daniel knew that God's character hadn't changed. Even though Daniel watched his nation walk away from God, he knew that his God still loved them and still wanted to have a relationship with them. So Daniel poured out his heart before the Lord. God wants to hear from his people. The second request Daniel makes of God is to forgive. Let's look back at verse 7. It says this, Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Saxonburg, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because of our disloyalty to you. Verse 8, O Lord, we and our kings and princes and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is, don't miss this, merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. So Daniel pours out his heart. He says, hear, Lord, what I'm about to say. We have rebelled against you, but I know you. I know that you are merciful, that you are forgiving, that you are good, that you want to be in relationship with your people. So I'm going to bank on that. And I know that we have rebelled against you, but I know you will forgive. So Daniel again relies on God's character when he prays his prayer. So Daniel's heart is for for God, honestly, to have his rightful place among his people. Notice this prayer isn't so that Daniel will just escape some kind of judgment. It's not that at all. Daniel's pouring out his heart for his, his, the, the other people, right? I mean, it would be like whatever community that you live in, you get this burden from the Lord that the community has sinned against God, and so you take on that, uh, the, the sin of the community upon yourself, and you just plead it before the Lord, right? That, that's not something that we really do. It's not something that really comes natural to us, and But a lot of times if something happens to us immediately, like we're before the Lord on our knees, on our faces, even if we've never been on our face before the Lord, God, please let this storm pass over me. Daniel's not doing that. He's saying, God, listen, we have sinned against you. We need you in your mercy and your forgiveness. So we want God to have the rightful place. That's what Daniel was praying. So the next request is this. Daniel uh, makes this of God. He says, listen, God, I need you to listen. Listen. So it's interesting because he starts out and he says, hear, and then he's, he says, forgive, and then he says, again, listen. What's the difference between hearing and listening? Well, this would have been hard for me about seven years ago, but now that I have kids, let me tell you the difference, okay? <laughs> so I have four children. Many of you know that. And for whatever reason, in the last year, they just all started talking like insane. Like insane. They just all the time, right? And, and so what happens is, like, one child will say, hey, daddy. And then all of a sudden, the rest of them are like, oh, yeah, daddy's here. So, so then they start saying, daddy, daddy, you know, and they're all talking all at the same time, right? Has this ever happened to you parents? If you have more than one child, if they, okay? So I'm not insane myself, okay? So, so I'm hearing voices, and it's the voices of my kids, but I can hear them, right? But it's not until one of them says, Will you please listen to me that I get the attention that it's actually my wife talking, right? (laughs) I've learned that, right? Did you hear anything I just said? I love you, baby. No, I didn't. What'd you say? 
That just happened to me, I think it was yesterday, actually. Man, I was caught right there, right? I was listening to a conversation in the back. She says, did you hear anything I just said? And I was like, mm-hmm, you know? <laughs> but there's a difference, right, between hearing and listening. Listening requires focus. And so Daniel wanted God first to notice him, like, God, listen, I am here. I, I, I want you to know that I care about what's happening in Jerusalem, about your glory, about your honor, and I need you to act. Lord, would you please forgive and then he calls God to listen. God, would you listen, please? Would you focus? I mean, look at this prayer. Here's what he says. Verse 15, O Lord our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing the people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. O Lord, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Okay, hear. Notice me, right? Then he says, listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord. Smile again on your desolate sanctuary. And then if you can kind of picture this, like maybe you've had your wife or your children kind of grab you and kind of pull your attention down. He says, oh my God, lean down and listen to me. What's he saying? He's saying, God, would you please look me in the eyes? And focus on what I'm about to say. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. Daniel explicitly asked God to listen. I mean, where does Daniel get the right to talk to God like this? Right? I mean, if I were going to grab God by the, by the collar of his shirt and pull him down and say, would you lean down and look me in the eyes? Would you open your eyes right now and see what's happening? Right? I mean, that takes some, some guts. Right? <laughs> Caught myself. <laughs> Holy Spirit's just working tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right? But, I'm, but I mean, it, it really does. Daniel, Daniel trusted God to the point where he said, listen, God, I need you to notice what I'm saying to you right now. He asked God to listen because he knew God would listen. He also knew God would act, which is his next request. This is his final request. And so again, he's, he's kind of just saying, again, God, forgive, but, but I need you to actually, I need you to follow through on this. So look what he says in verse 19. For your own sake, do not delay, oh my God, for your people and your city bear your name. Now, now here's the thing about these four requests that he made. Daniel prayed in faith relying on God's passion for his own glory. Daniel prayed in faith, relying on God's passion for his own glory. Now, it might sound kind of egocentric for us to say, you know, why is God concerned about his own glory? <laughs> well, because he created everything. And he gets the right to do that. And, and the Isaiah pro, prophet Isaiah says, listen, God will not share his glory with another. He will not do it. He is passionate for his own glory. And so what Daniel was pointing out is, Lord, look, look at your city. Look at the destruction of, of, of your temple, of your presence being withdrawn. And God's like, yeah, but you guys walked away from me. 
And David's like, I know, and I am so sorry. But I want to see your glory restored. You see, the one thing we have to understand about this is Daniel didn't pray because he was concerned about Israel. You know, if he had been concerned about Israel, the name Israel would have been mentioned a whole heck of a lot more times. It wasn't Daniel's primary concern. Daniel's primary concern was God's name and his fame. Daniel was concerned with the glory of God. He prayed for God to move, not for Israel's sake, but for God's sake. He wanted God to receive that honor that was due his name. So Daniel prayed in faith, believing that God would respond. And respond, God did. Look what happened. Verse 20. I went on praying and confessing my sins and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God in Jerusalem, his, for, for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, who I had seen before in the earlier vision. Remember, if this is your first time here and you have no idea what the book of Daniel is about, Daniel had received a vision and Gabriel, this angel, this messenger from God that was sent from God, came to him and spoke to him about this vision that he had had. And now Daniel's praying over this situation and Gabriel comes back. He came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. Verse 22, he explained to me, Daniel... I have come here to give you insight and understanding. Then I, I don't want you to miss this. In fact, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you should underline this, verse 23. The moment you began praying, a command was given. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. So listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. So in essence, it's like... It's like Daniel grabbed God's shirt collar, pulled him down, looked in the eyes, and then God sent Gabriel to grab him by the collar and said, look at me, listen to me, what I'm about to tell you. Look at verse 24. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people in your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood and the war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will be put to an end. He will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desolation until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Now, if you're anything like me, you're reading that going, Seven, what's that going? What is that? Uh, what? You know, listen, I'm going to be really honest with you. There is a lot of stuff here that, that honestly would take a many week series to unpack. We're not going to do that tonight, but we are going to focus on one important thing. Look at verse 25. Now listen and understand, seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, and then there's a dash, the anointed one comes. Now, I want you to, to understand this. 
the moment that Daniel started praying, God issued a decree from, from heaven. And part of that decree was that the anointed one would come to the earth. Now, we know that the anointed one was Jesus. So, so don't miss this, okay? The, you know, if you think that your prayers don't matter, I want you to listen, lean in here a little bit. Daniel's prayer sent Jesus to the earth. How incredible. I mean, how, how many of you want to pray like Daniel, right? All of your hands should be up because that's just crazy. Daniel's praying, pouring out his heart about Israel and just say, God, for, the, for your glory, for your fame, for your name, all of this stuff. And God says, this is going to happen. My command is go. So after this period of time happens, the anointed one would come and he would restore what had been broken in Israel. So Daniel's prayer played a part because, listen, this had always been God's plan. You can read about it, Genesis chapter 3. It's in there, and I can show you where it is. God had always planned on sending Jesus, but Daniel's prayer played a part in him sending him. That is so significant. And if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, that should give us such hope that, that the thing that we've been praying for for years and years and years, God's not sitting on his hands. Something's happening. And listen, we're going to talk about that more next week. What we do matters. You see, the relationship that Daniel had with God was incredible. God's presence seemed to permeate every area of Daniel's life, right? I mean, like, how many of you would like to read the Bible tonight and be so moved to pray and then have Gabriel show up in your living room, right? I mean, after you, you cleaned up the floor a little bit, right? Like, like... It would just be incredible, but this stuff seemed to happen to Daniel pretty frequently. How can we experience that? I mean, what was it that Daniel had that it seems like you and me, like we, we don't have it, right? Ga Daniel saw Gabriel twice at this point. I haven't seen Gabriel once. What's up with that? It's true. I'm going to send him tonight. You're going to see him tonight. Hopefully it's Gabriel. Um, <laughs> he's not the one that takes you to, to heaven, so that's, that's good. But anyway, Daniel seemed to have it, but what was it that was in Daniel? And, and I don't want us to miss this. Nothing. Daniel wasn't special. There was nothing special about him, like inside of him. Or it wasn't just because he was Jew. There was, there was nothing that separated Daniel from me and you. So how did Daniel experience this over and over and over? Well, Daniel did something that many of us, just to be completely honest, myself included, don't do often enough. We don't make it a lifestyle, and this is what Daniel did. Here's the key. You ready? Daniel practiced obedience. Daniel practiced obedience. Daniel turned to God every time he was faced with the truth. That's what we've seen all throughout the book of Daniel. Daniel was faithful to God because God had been faithful to Daniel. Daniel trusted God 
even when there were lions looking down on him. I mean, I can't imagine. That fear must have been so real. And yet Daniel looked at them trusting God. And God held their mouths shut all night. Daniel prays and Gabriel shows up. A command's given. Jesus is coming to the earth. Why? Because Daniel turned to God. Daniel did what God asked him to do. A lot of us, when we read the Bible, we don't just go, God, that's me. I'm so jacked up right now. I just, I need your presence. I need you to show up, right? We read it and we go, okay. We put a little Band-Aid on that. I'm going to put my Bible tab in there. And listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just telling you, this is what I see happening in my life and in, and in the American church. It's kind of this notion that we love Jesus, but, but we don't like, want to go down the path of actually doing what he says. That's why Jesus said, listen, the way is narrow and it's hard. And obedience is the key to releasing God's presence in our lives. So God answers Daniel's prayer in response to his obedience. Let's look at that. In fact, that's our take-home point for tonight. God answered Daniel's prayer in response to his obedience. And you might be saying, well, Pastor Brad, wait a minute. <laughs> Isn't it faith that, that, that caused God to answer Daniel's prayer? I would say absolutely it was faith. But do you know what faith is? A step of obedience. You cannot have faith without obedience, and you cannot have obedience without faith. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, it is impossible, okay? It is impossible to please God without faith. So we must take steps of obedience, and faith is that step. So listen, if you're in here for the first time tonight, and, and you have been wondering about this whole God thing, this whole Jesus thing, I want you to know something. God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his son to live a perfect life that you could never live, to die a death that you should have died on a cross, excruciating pain, died there for you in your place, was buried three days later, God raised him back to life again so that he could give new life to those who would, he said it himself, Jesus said, believe in him who would take a step of obedience and obey by putting their faith in Jesus. So if you're in here tonight and that's you, and for the very first time, you want to trust the Lord, your God, as your heavenly Father, because listen, He wants to be in a relationship with you. Then that first step of obedience that you need to take right now is to put your faith in Jesus. And what you're doing is you're saying, Jesus, I give you my life. Take it. It's yours. And that's all you have to do tonight. Jesus, I, I love you. I trust you. I give you my life. And if you'll take that first step of obedience, welcome to the family. Because the Apostle John said we're adopted into God's family when we believe in Jesus. So if, if that's you tonight, I would encourage you. I'm going to pray for you at the end tonight. I want you to, to, to receive Jesus. If you've never received Jesus before, I want, I'm going to pray for you later. But if you have received Jesus in here tonight, then I'm going to ask you to do something very specific. I want you to take your next step of obedience to him. 
I want you to just simply take that next step, whatever it is. And listen, here's the deal. You don't have to go through a class to know what your next step is. Do you want to know what your next step is? Whatever the Holy Spirit puts in your head right now. That sin you keep committing over and over and over again, let's start to unpack that. Right? Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's you're murdering somebody with your words. Maybe it's a longing to have what everybody else has and you're a little jealous and a little greedy. Listen, we all struggle with this awfulness that is sin. But we need to allow God to come in through his Holy Spirit and unpack that. If we want God's presence to permeate our lives in every way, we have to step into obedience. We have to walk with him. In fact, Jesus said that we have to remain in him. We have to remain in him. And if we don't, we'll be cut off. Look at this. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So that's the message I just shared with you, that God loves you. He sent his son to live and die and rise again for you. And you can have that by taking a step of obedience and faith tonight. But then he says this to those of you who have received that, verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. Later on, Jesus says, listen, if you'll remain in me, I'm going to manifest my presence with you. How incredible would that be? You don't get Gabriel, you get Jesus. And Gabriel's just there worshiping him. That's what I want. How about you? Remain in me and I will be in you, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, listen, for apart from me, if you're trying to do life as a follower of Jesus without Jesus, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus makes clear that if we want God's presence to saturate our lives, we must remain in him. What does it mean to remain in him? It means take your next step. Jesus gave us his word. He tells us how to live for him. We need to just take that next step. And listen, we are here to help you. We have classes here. We have small groups here that will help you take your next step. But listen, don't wait. Do it tonight. Maybe you need to go home and not turn on the TV. Maybe you need to go home and not turn on your computer. Maybe you need to put your, your cell phone, I don't even know where, because they're expensive. I get it. Give it to somebody. I don't know. Just, you know, whatever you need to do, whatever that next step is so that Jesus can have his rightful place as he did in Daniel's life, then his presence will saturate us. So that's the commitment for today. I will put God first by taking my next step in obedience to him. I will put God first by taking my next step in obedience to him. So I'm going to ask you, please, if you would, close your eyes and bow your heads. And I'm going to pray for two groups of people. The first group is for those of you who would like to receive Jesus for the first time. This is your first step of obedience. Please don't look around. This is between you and your heavenly father. I'm going to ask you tonight, if that's you, I would like you to raise your hand right now. Please raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus for the first time, because I want to pray for you specifically. Thank you. Thank you. 
put your hand up if you want to receive Jesus tonight, that first step of obedience. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you right now. So Lord Jesus, right now I pray for those who raise their hands in this place. God, that you would meet them where they are. God, that they, as they are transferring their life over to you right now by believing that you came here and lived and died and were raised back to life again for them, that, God, you would fill them with your Holy Spirit, that they would take the next step of obedience in following you, that their life would, would just be set on fire for you tonight. Holy Spirit, would you do it in Jesus' name? Father, fill them up with your spirit. Guide them and lead them. Thank you for them. Lord, you love them. And now we pray that you would take them where you would have them go in their lives. In Jesus' name. And now for the rest of you, if you are in here, please keep your eyes and heads down. If you would like to take your next step, but you want prayer tonight to take that step, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being bold. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you. And listen, this is what I believe. When you partner with God and you take a step of obedience, you're going to see God do some things in your life that he has not done for a long time, if ever. I believe that. I'm going to pray for you right now. Jesus, thank you for those of those who raised their hands to take next steps of obedience. God, I pray right now that you would meet them, that you would touch them, that you would give them the power of your spirit, that as the spirit comes and convicts of sin, that they would take the next steps to following in obedience to you. Jesus, would you do this work right now? Father, would you empower all of us to take steps boldly, God, to talk to people about things that we've been covering up because we're so scared we're so ashamed just like the Israelites but God give us the boldness of Daniel who walked in obedience and received your presence Father do an incredible work tonight right now even right now in our hearts guide us by your Holy Spirit lead us into all truth that we might experience you in real tangible ways. In Jesus' name, amen.